couldn't help it. <laughs> it's my last chance to do God's ways, best ways. I had to pull it off, right? So first off, I want to say before we get going on this whole thing, this is highly emotional today, not just for you, but for me. So I'm going to do my best not to be a blubbering idiot up here on the stage while I'm talking to you today. Um, but I just want to let you guys know this has been the most amazing 17 years of my life. We're going to get to that in a little bit, and I'll explain that when we get to that part. But uh, today we're going to talk about something that I think is pretty fitting. We're going to talk about something that's pretty fitting considering what today is for me and even for a lot of you. And that is courage. Our main thing today is that when God calls us, we should fear nothing. When God calls us, we should fear nothing. And we're going to be in a passage today that we're going to stick to the entire time. So if you want to open your Bibles, your phones, whatever it is you're reading the Bible off of right now, open that up to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, because that is where we're going to be today, and we're going to live in that scripture, and we're going to spend all of our time there. Um, but I want to give you some backstory to this whole section because there's a story within a story here. And it's important to understand the backstory before we get into the scripture. So here's the backstory Moses had just gone and taken the Israelites out of captivity. He had walked them through the middle of the Red Sea and he was taking them to the promised land. And when they get to the promised land, God says, Go take the land. And so Moses sends 12 spies into this, this promised land that they're supposed to take. And so I'm going to sing you a little song that tells the story about it. This I learned when I was a child. So I, I told Dave I wasn't going to sing again, but I'm going to sing one more time for you. Um, and this is it right here. And it goes something like this. Twelve men went to spy on Cain, and ten were bad, and two were good. What did they see when they spied on Cain, and ten were bad, and two were good? Some saw giants, big and tall. Some saw grapes and clusters fall. Oh, some saw God was over all. Ten were bad and two were good. That's the story. He sends 12 spies into the promised land so that they know that they can take the land. And they go in there and they see the land and 10 of the spies come back and say, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. We cannot take the land. Two spies came back though, one of them being a guy named Joshua. And they say, no. This land is flowing with milk and honey. This land has everything we've ever dreamed of. We need to go. Now Moses, being this leader of God's people, of course he said, you know what? I'm going to go with the two guys who said we can take the land, right? No. He didn't. Him and the leaders of Israel decided that it was too scary and they couldn't handle it. And so because of it, God made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. I'm 49. I love backpacking. I, you knew I was going to talk about it at some point. I love backpacking. And I've never spent more than a week or two in the woods. I can't imagine spending 40 years wandering around the woods. But you know why God did this? So that all the people who refused to go in the land would die off before they ever got the chance to see the promised land. Nobody, including Moses, got to walk into the promised land who decided they shouldn't take the land. But the two guys who said they should absolutely got to. And so we're going to fast forward now back to the beginning of this whole thing in Joshua chapter 1. And I want you guys to read along with me. It says, After the death of Moses, the servants of the Lord 
The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray real quick and then we'll get right back into this. God, thank you so much for today. As we say, Sunday is the best day of the week, God. And today we're here before you. We've just sung songs of worship. We've remembered your son's death, burial, and resurrection through communion. We've worshiped through offering. And God, now we're getting into your word and we want you to speak to us now. So God, use me. Speak through me. God, let us all come together right now and and learn what it means to be strong and courageous and to go forward when you call us to do that. God, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's four things from this big passage here that that I really want to talk about today. Four things that I think we all need to understand, and it, it really does apply to all of us. This is something that is not just a good history story. This is actually a story from the Old Testament that really does give us something to apply to ourselves. And the very first thing that we got from this is that God is calling us to take the land. God is calling us to take the land. Now, in verse 2 it says, Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Now if you remember at the beginning I said, I said, It's not been 16 years, it's been 17 years. The reason I say that is because the whole conversation about Catalyst began in October of 2006. And I actually did some searching on my computer, and I actually found original messages from Dave and I from 2006, where we first started talking about Catalyst. We had no name for this church yet. Heck, we didn't even know if the two of us were going to plant this church together yet. These are just conversations that happen. So I'm going to read these to you. Because today we're going to talk a little bit about the history of this church. How it came together. And why this story of the people after Moses left. Why this story really fits in with the story of Catalyst as well. But it, it, this is the first message. This is, uh, this is, now remember this is on MySpace. I'm gonna... <laughs> and... People had usernames back then. So the first message is from Kibbles. (laughs) That's what it is. Um, It says, says, what's the latest on your job position? You still want to come to Nicholasville and plant a church with me? Somehow somehow my username was just John Kelly. So, um, but I responded with, how serious are you about it? What's your timeline? Now I want you to catch something on the timestamps on these. 
Dave's message was sent at 10.46 a.m. I responded three hours later at 1.51 p.m. Five minutes after I send my message, Dave says, about two and a half years, although depending on the Lord's will, it could be sooner or later. What are you doing now? I responded with, honestly, I'm just trusting God's will and wanting to see what's on his agenda. I'm definitely interested in seeing where God takes you and this church plan. I'm also very curious as to what my role or what role I might potentially play. Keep me updated and let me know if there's any groundwork that I can help in. Even if God doesn't lead that way, I'm very passionate about church planning and willing to help. Later, yo. (laughs) It was 2006, people. (laughs) Um, and, And again, I didn't respond until it looks like six hours later. No, this was almost, I'm sorry, it was like, it was like 18 hours later I responded to Dave. Ten minutes later, Dave responds with, Hey man, call me right now if you have the time. And so at that point, I called Dave. And what seemed like a 15-minute call was actually about two hours. And Dave shared this vision with me of this church that we're going to plant. And he shared with me the whys, the where, the who, all of these things. And I remember getting off of that phone call and just walking next door to my friend Brian's office and looking at him and saying, dude, I think I'm moving back to Kentucky. I just knew. God had had said, there's a land I want you to take. Now go. Now that land for some of you guys may not be planting a church, but it may be somebody that you work with every day that doesn't know Christ. It could be a family member that's walked away from the church. It could be your own personal ministry. Dave talks about this a lot. It could be a personal ministry that you've been fighting God on to go do. It could be the mission field. It could be going into ministry. Do you realize Catalyst Christian Church has three people going into 4C Ministry Institute this year? Three out of Catalyst, a church of less than 200 people. There are churches of 2,000 people that don't have three people committing to go into ministry. And we have three coming out of this church to do that. But we all have a land to take. But here's the great thing. It's not just about the land that we're to take. The next thing that we need to understand is that the land is already ours. See, in verse 3, it says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. He doesn't say, I am going to give to you. He says, I have given you. It's already yours. It's kind of like Christmas. Now, if there are any kids in here that believe in Jesus, or believe, I hope you believe in Jesus. Um, okay. Told you, it's going to be a rough Sunday, people. Grace is appreciated. Um, but if there are any kids in here right now that believe in Santa Claus, please put fingers in your ears, or parents, you can walk them out. I'll give you a few seconds if you need to, because we're about to talk about something here, and you all know that what I'm about to say is true. So, yeah, yeah Silas Tipton, he's 18, cover his ears. Um, <laughs> <coughs> But as parents, by the time Christmas rolls around, the kids have already had their gifts for weeks, maybe months, right? They already own them. They're there. They just haven't opened them yet, right? We already know where this gift is going. It's not you're going to. It's already theirs. It's just they're getting it on Christmas Day. God has a land that he wants you to go to, and it's already yours. The problem is for us We get scared of it. 
and we don't go take the land. So what was the land that Catalyst came to take? Well, it may not be what you think. Because at this point in, in the story of Catalyst, our land that we took has become so ingrained in who we are, it's just natural now, and we don't even think about it much. But when Dave and I began talking about Catalyst and what this church was going to look like, one of the things that we both had noticed that had happened in the church was that the average church, from the decorations to the music to what was preached to what was taught to the events that were happening, everything was geared towards 45-year-old women. That's not, a, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but almost every single church to a T, that's who it was geared for. And what we were finding was men just weren't going to church because they would go into church and would feel like, this isn't for me. This place isn't for me. I don't want to sing songs where I'm talking about a guy, Jesus, and saying, I want to touch you, I want to feel you, I want to know you. (laughs) Come on, guys, you know we've all thought it. (laughs) These were the things that were happening at the time, and Dave and I were just realizing men need church desperately, and families need dads to need church desperately. And so for us, we had this, this thought of, what if we made a church that was friendly towards men? not unfriendly towards women. If you look at Catalyst right now, this church is not unfriendly towards women, okay? It's not. It's not, I mean, we don't have a cigar area in the back there and a bourbon bar over here, okay? We don't have, like, ESPN playing in the bathrooms. We don't have, although that would be kind of cool, right? Uh, But we don't have those things, you know, it's not that, but at the same time, we don't have pretty wreaths hanging up and we don't have pink pews anymore, thank the Lord. We don't have... You know, things that are overtly feminine either. And I will tell you, the colors that are in here right now, I picked them, but I talked to a couple women and had them make sure I wasn't being an idiot picking the wrong colors because I knew, Rachel Kibler was one of them, I knew if I didn't have these females telling me these colors are okay, we were going to have a problem. But we realized early on, if dad goes to church, 90, more than 90% of the time the family comes with him. If mom goes to church and dad doesn't, you wouldn't believe the drop-off. And so we realized as a church, we needed to be a church that was friendly to men. That was our land. That was the land we had to take. And I think, man, it might have been Casey Kibler's husband, Madison, that said this. And if I'm wrong about this, tell me later and just tell me I'm dumb. It's fine. But uh, (laughs) he walked in and one of the comments he made was, I've never seen so many beards in my life. One of the cool things about Catalyst is it's, it's almost a 50-50 split between men and women. It's not 75% women and 25% men. Yet that is so many churches right now. And we decided when we planted Catalyst, we wanted to be a place that was friendly to men, that men felt like they could come and be comfortable. And God gave us that land to take. And so that's what we did. What we didn't realize is that he gave us other land. He gave us church plants in Asia. He gave us two missionaries in Honduras. He gave us a church plant in Lexington. See, the land that he gave us was much bigger than we anticipated. But we had to be willing to take it. And I would dare say for everybody in this room right now, God has a land for you to take. And it's maybe bigger than you think. God has a plan for you that's probably bigger than you think it could be. But you have to be willing to go into the land and take the land Next up, he says, only be strong and courageous, doing things God's way. 
He says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. You know, the first year of Catalyst was really interesting. The first year of Catalyst was very interesting on a lot of, a lot of levels. There was a lot of opposition to this church. I don't know, probably most of you don't even realize how much opposition there was. Uh, we actually had one area minister who single-handedly was able to get it so that we could not get funding from a church planning organization. He said that all we were here to do was to take people from other people's churches. We had another minister that actually looked at his staff and said, don't even associate with those people. We're a church plant. Why, why is there opposition to doing what God wants us to do? But there was. And we found a lot of it. Dave could tell you. It was, it was unreal. We felt like the redheaded stepchildren of central Kentucky. I'm sorry for you redheads if that offends you. I'm so sorry. But that's what we felt like. We were, sorry Casey. Sorry Elsie. I'm sorry. Um, they're both looking at each other going, I hate him right now. Um, but that's what we felt like. We felt like, like maybe we made the wrong decision. Because everybody's fighting against us. Not only that, but in our first year, there was a recession. Like, we're planting a church. Church plants have no money. Well, by the end of the year, nobody had any money. The fact that we're even sitting here right now is only by an act of God. And if we don't go into things with strength and with courage, if we don't go forward knowing that we can trust in God going into situations, we're going to fall flat on our faces. And there were times where we had some really hard staff meetings. There was one point, I remember a, a year or two into Catalyst, Dave telling me, we got a hundred bucks in our bank account. A hundred dollars. And payroll's coming. <laughs> that's a great $15 paycheck, you know? But that's where we were. There were times of trial. There were times when it was hard. Just because God's telling you to take the land and that it's yours doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be easy. Because if you read about the Israelites, they had battles to fight. They had wars to win. But they went forward with confidence knowing that God had already given them the battle. They went forward with confidence knowing that God had already given them the victory. Yet for us, so many times, we do the exact opposite. Now, I'm going to say some things and... Follow me through on it, because if you get offended at first, you may turn me off and say, I hate him, I'm not going to listen anymore. But don't do that, okay? Follow me on what I'm about to talk about. For several of you in this room right now, several of you deal with anxiety. Being in a large group of people freaks you out. Being in a conversation one-on-one -on -one freaks you out. You struggle with worry at all times about everything. Some of you in here, myself included, deal with depression. Since I've been at Catalyst, I've gone through two bouts of depression. One when my father died and then one more recently that my wife actually had to go through with me this time. Depression is real. It happens. Addiction. There are several in, you, in here who are, are dealing with addiction right now or who are working their way out of addiction or who have worked their way out of addiction. There are others of you in here that are workaholics. You have to work at all times. You never take a break. You don't understand what rest means, which is, by the way, in the Bible, rest. There are some of you in here 
who struggle with pornography. There's people in here who deal with addictions of all different kinds, whether it's drugs or alcohol. It could be video games. It could be sports. There's so many things that everyone in this room is dealing with. And I want to tell you something today, and you need to know this and you need to understand it. The thing you struggle with is not the thing that identifies who you are. Okay? And I want you to understand this. It does not identify who you are. Your anxiety, that's not you. That's what you deal with. Your depression, that's not you. That's what you deal with. Your workaholicism, whatever, how do you pronounce that? That, it's not who you are. Whatever struggle you have, that does not define you as a person. That's a struggle you have, it's a thing you deal with. Who you are is a child of God. Who you are is a child of the king of the universe, co-heirs with Christ, who one day are going to have the opportunity to spend eternity with the creator of the universe. And if we get ourselves wrapped up in thinking that our anxiety or our depression or all these things that, that, that we struggle with are the things that identify who we are, guys, we're missing it. And you're never going to take the land because you don't even know who you are. Understand something, and I really, I really want you to understand this. Your job doesn't define you. Your sin doesn't define you. Your struggles don't define you. Your medical condition doesn't define you. They are part of your life. They are, they are things that, that, that are part of, of what you do, of what you struggle with, of what you deal with, but they are not who you are. And yet Satan loves it when he can come in when we're weak. He loves it when he can come in and instead of being only strong, we allow Satan to sneak in and tell us, well, listen, because of your anxiety, you could never really minister to anybody because you can't even carry on a conversation well. No, because of your depression, everybody thinks you're a downer and nobody wants to be around you. So you're probably never going to get to do ministry or, 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 or talk to people about God. You're never really going to make a difference. Because you're a workaholic, man, you never have time. You just might as well give up on trying to do anything for God because you just can't do it. Are you following me on this? Satan loves to sneak in that back door and convince us that we are something we are not. He tries to convince us to be weak. He tries, us, he tries to get us to live in our weakness. Guys, we can't wear our sin or our struggles as a badge of honor because they're not badges of honor. They're distractions from our job. They're distractions from our calling. And yet so many of us, we never take the land. And the only reason we don't take the land is because we allow weakness to step in through convincing ourselves we're something we're not. And so when he says in this scripture, only be strong and very courageous. He says only. Did you catch that? He doesn't say also. He says only. He's saying don't go forward with fear. Go forward knowing, knowing that I'm with you. And be courageous. Go forward with courage, knowing the land is already yours. You know, for, for many people, it's not even physical opposition that's an issue. It's, it's those things we talked about. And because of that, we find ourselves constantly in a state of blah. <laughs> 
How many of you honestly, and don't raise hands or anything like that, but there's times when you think about your spiritual life, you're like, I'm just kind of like, whatever, right now. I mean, yeah, I love God. I mean, I go to church. I do some of the things I'm supposed to do, but really right now, it's just kind of blah. That's Satan sneaking in. He's convincing you. He's convincing you that, honestly, you're not good enough, so you might as well stop. Don't allow that to happen. Don't allow that to happen. And here's the other part of that that he says. He says, it's it's do it God's way. You're going to have drastically different results. He says in the scripture, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. You know who didn't do that? Moses. He wrote the law. And he didn't do it. Moses himself. God said, take the land. And he allowed voices. He allowed Satan to sneak in. And because of it, he never saw the promised land. You know, there's an actor named Julian Sands. Have you guys guys know who that guy is? If you saw him, you would know him. He's one of these guys that's been in a lot of movies, but you don't really know his name. But he's he's, he's an actor from, from Britain. Um, he's a, he's, he's a mountaineer, he's a hiker, he loves getting out into the woods, and, uh, on January 13th, he decided he was going to hike in the Mount Baldy area of California, and Mount Baldy is a notoriously dangerous place to hike in the wintertime, because there's always danger of avalanche, there's always danger of bad wind and, and storms, and that you could really get messed up and potentially die if you're out there in those woods. And Julian Sands on January, on January 13th went out there and he went for this hike. He didn't come home. Nobody ever saw him. They sent, out, they sent out search and rescue after 24 hours. They had to come back because of an avalanche worry. And then on June 28th, they found his body. Some hikers were out on a hike and found the remains of Julian Sands. There in the woods. What happened was he went by himself. He didn't have any form of communication. So if things went off the rails, he could send out an SOS to get people to come and help him. He wasn't prepared for what was about to happen. And because of that, Julian Sands lost his life. And I'm going to be honest with you. If we want to go into any kind of land that God sends for us, if we're not doing it using God's word, if we're not doing it following his commands, and doing it the way we're supposed to do it, it's not going to happen. We're going to wander. We're going to get lost. And spiritually, we could die from something like that because we need to make sure that whatever we do, that we do it following God's way, you know, God's ways, best ways. I'm going to give Dave some props because at Catalyst, if you remember, he said we're going to plant this church in about two and a half years. If you do the math from 2006 to two and a half years, that's fall of 2009. Dave calls me in the summer of 2007 and goes, hey man, we're going to, we're going to move this plant up. We're going to plant in the spring of, of 2007, or eight, I'm sorry, 2008, and I'm going, uh, <laughs> I don't even live there yet. 
And I'm thinking to myself, what is he doing? But he goes, his, his words were simply this. I just feel like God's telling me we got to do this quicker. Okay, man, whatever you say, we'll do it. And so we plant in the spring of 2008, which is a great thing, because had we not planted it, the recession happened in the fall of 2008. And if we'd have tried to plant in the spring of 2009, or even the fall of 2009, we probably would have fallen flat on our faces. Dave listened to God, did things the way God told him he needed to do it. And because of we're sitting here, because if we hadn't done that, there's a good strong possibility we would not be sitting here right now. It's important that if we're going to follow God, we're going to go take the land, we need to do it the way he tells us to do it. And sometimes it'll make no sense. It made absolutely no sense planting that church a year and a half early. It really didn't. But it's what God wanted, and so we did it. And because of it, we were blessed. Because God knows better than we do. And here's the thing. When you do all of this, when you realize there's a land to take, the land's already yours, and then you, you go into it only being strong and courageous, doing things God's way, then you find your success. It says, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's only when we do it his way and we take the land the way he intends for us to do it, that we're going to be prosperous. And like I said, for a lot of you in this room, you don't know what that land is. For some of you in this room, you know exactly what that land is, and you're fighting it. And for some of you, you are trying to take the land right now. But whatever that is, if we do things the way God intends, it's amazing how God can work through that and give us True prosperity in that. Now, prosperity may not look like you think it does. I'm going to tell you that. Because my mom asked me when we were planting Catalyst. My mom was very nervous about me leaving the church I was leaving in Wisconsin because it was going very well. When I was there, I had a massive youth group. I was getting paid very well. I had a very good church that I was working with. But for some reason, God called me to plant a church. And my mom just was like, are you sure this is what you're supposed to do? Because she's a mom. That's what she's supposed to do, right? Worry about us. And I said, yeah, mom, listen. I'm working with Dave. And if the two of us are working together, if that church isn't running 300 people within the first six to eight months, then we're failing. Man, that was stupid. Because <laughs> that's not what God did. That wasn't prosperity. That wasn't the prosperity God was putting forth for us. Because that was minimal compared to the impact this church has had. If that was all we were worried about was growing this people into 300 people, that's nothing compared to what God has actually done. I mentioned it earlier. Because of, of, of Dave's ministry over in Asia, there are hundreds of churches that have been planted. Because of that same trip, we now have two orphanages that are in India that are started and are alive only because of the work of people here. We have a church that's planted in Lexington that's still in its infant stages that is reaching people for the gospel. We have missionaries in Honduras. One who's planted a church in Honduras is building a church camp. Every year he does camp camps for kids dealing with cancer. So not only are these kids hearing about Jesus, but their parents are hearing about it from their kids. 
We've got a missionary in Honduras right now who, because of her, there are several missionaries that are able to stay in Honduras because their children love being there because of the work that she's doing. And because of all of this, thousands of people are coming to Christ. And I was worried about having 300 people in a building. Prosperity doesn't always look the way you think it'll look. What you think God is going to do is probably not what he's going to do. It's probably going to be better. But it may not look the way you thought it was going to look. We've got the Tiptons. That are, this is their last Sunday as well. Adam is going up to Camp Northward to work up there. And he's not only going to be a maintenance guy there, but he actually gets to do ministry now with the camp. Yeah, woo! That's good stuff. We've got Donovan Gregory, who's up in Cincinnati, and he's in the final stages of an interview with the church right now. And if everything goes well, he's going to become the youth minister up there. We've got Zach Jordan, who's now at Elevate, and he's part of the ministry there, and he's, going to, he's coming on staff as an intern because he's planning on going into ministry full-time. We've got Colby Jordan, who's actually taking a part-time role with the church to handle all of the technical stuff that I was doing. But he's stepping up now into a role of ministry in this church. We've got Rowan Bickert, who's now our youth minister, who is from this church. Guys, there's so much that's happening that's more than Dave or I ever really thought was going to happen. Because if you'd have talked to us as youth ministers back then, all we were thinking was, catalyst, how big is this church going to get? How many people are we going to get here? But the truth is, in the grand scheme of things, that wasn't God's form of prosperity for us. It was greater, far greater. And for you, whatever the land is that God's trying to get you to take, whatever it is he's trying to get you to do, his idea of success is probably going to be a lot different than what you think it is. At Catalyst, we've never preached the prosperity gospel of love Jesus more, you get more money. That's not what we believe. That's not the prosperity we preach. But if you don't preach prosperity to some degree, you're missing a lot of the Bible. But again, prosperity doesn't always look the way we think it's going to look. And I want to leave you with this last scripture. It's 2 Timothy 1, 6 or 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I want to encourage you guys. This is the last thing I get to say to you guys. I want to encourage you. Move forward with strength and courage. Knowing that God has given you the land. Knowing that God is the one that's pushing this whole thing forward. It's not about ministers on staff. It never has been because if it was, anytime a minister would leave, the church would fail. But we've had several youth ministers over the years. We've had multiple children's ministers. And here we are still. And so I encourage you as we move forward as a church... I pray for you guys that you go forward with strength and with courage, that you continue to do what this church has been doing. And guys, I cannot wait to come back and visit in a little while and celebrate all the amazing things that God is doing through Catalyst. You guys are an awesome church. This has been the most amazing 17 years of my life, and I can't tell you enough how proud I am to say that I have been a part of Catalyst Christian Church. And I can tell you point blank, this has been the best 16 years of my life. 
met my wife here, had my kids here. I've watched people grow up from children into adults that are having children. I've watched a young red-headed hippie and a diva and Sam. <laughs> and grow up into a nurse. What are you doing now, Casey? <laughs> yeah, what are you actually doing now? Working with, uh, as a personal insurance accountant. Uh, uh, yes, what she said. And we got Sam who's going in the Marines. I remember the first time I came up to visit Catalyst or visit Dave before we even had Catalyst. Dave was in a car carrier, or, or Sam was in a car carrier. <laughs> Sam was in a car carrier, and I just remember this big grin and the tongue sticking out. I've been, I've been fortunate enough to be here long enough to actually have people not just be a part of my lives, but allow me to be part of theirs. And uh, let you guys know I'm still around. I'm still alive. I'm not dying. We're still friends, and I love you guys. But I'm just praying for you guys as you move forward. Always go forward with strength and with courage and take the land that God has given you. Would you guys bow your heads with me and pray? Uh, Father, I just, um, I can't thank you.